Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as usual by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. Christmas is nearly here and it's going to be very different for all of us this year. How worried should we be about the new variants of COVID and how do we strike a balance between enjoying Christmas and keeping ourselves and our families safe? Do stay with us. Well, Greg, we're recording this late on the evening of the 23rd of December. It's very wet and windy in Cardiff Bay. If you can hear the wind howling in the background, sorry about that. There's not much I can do about it. Um, But there's more disturbing news coming through all the time. Um, There was a new variant we learned about last week, and there's reports this evening of another new variant coming out of South Africa. But in terms of what we learned last week, Greg, um, an initial analysis of the new variant has been published and identifies 17 potentially important alterations. There have been changes to the spike protein. This is the key the virus uses to unlock the doorway of our body cells. One mutation called N501Y alters the most important part of the spike known as the receptor binding domain. This is where the spike makes first contact with the surface of our body cells. Any changes that make it easier for the virus to get inside are likely to give it an edge. And do the vaccines, the three vaccines that are available, offer sufficient protection? Almost certainly yes, or at least for now. Um, All three leading vaccines develop an immune response against the existing spike. Um, But where we are heading now, there's more bad news, particularly from South Africa this evening. Greg, you've done a lot of reading on this, as you always do. Where exactly are we with this at the moment? Well, I understand that we have had so far recorded 29 different mutations the one we've been talking about for about a week now uh, which is the one that um, became very prevalent in kent and uh, london and then this week um, well um, it came out yesterday evening i first heard of it Uh, the new mutation from South Africa, which apparently is identical. So although they say it's a new mutation, they also say it's identical. Now, I had heard that the one we were talking about a week ago had first emerged in Brazil and then transferred into Europe and had come into Britain via our channel ports. That is the route they thought. Now, Brazil has direct flights to South Africa. So it could have gone from Brazil to South Africa, and we've got that coming in from South Africa as well, being the same mutation. But don't put money on it. Well, let's focus on what we learned last week, first of all, just for the time being. And the figure mentioned by Prime Minister Boris Johnson was that the variant, last week's variant, may be up to 70% more transmissible. And that 70% number appeared in a presentation by Dr. Eric Voltz from Imperial College London on Friday. And during the talk, he said, it is really too early to tell. But from what we see so far, it is growing very quickly. It is growing faster than a previous variant ever grew. But it is important to keep an eye on this. 
And uh, you can hear the wind in the background here. It's really flaring up. I hope uh, things calm down by uh, Christmas Eve when people are traveling. We'll come on to Christmas plans in a moment. But um, yeah, howling wind and rain here. There's not much I can do about that, I'm afraid. It's thought that the variant either emerged from a, in a patient in the UK or has been imported from a country with a lower ability to monitor coronavirus mutations. And this particular variant, the one that came to light last week, it can be found across the UK, except in Northern Ireland, but it is heavily concentrated in London, the Southeast and East Anglia. Although that, as inevitably as people have traveled in the last week, Christmas aside, even normal levels of travel, um, that may well change. So in terms of the way particularly the UK government reacted and also the Welsh government reacted by putting in considerably more severe restrictions last week in terms of large parts of England going into tier four, particularly in London, Kent and Essex, uh, and Wales going into what is effectively tier four in all but name. They've put a different spin on it, but it's effectively the same thing. And it's been announced uh, in the last few hours that um, come Boxing Day, 24 million people in England will be in tier four because Oxfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Norfolk and Suffolk have been added to the home counties who are already in tier four. So, Greg, do you think that Boris Johnson and indeed the Welsh government have reacted to this in the right way, bearing in mind where we are in terms of Christmas? Um, realistically, yes, I think Boris Johnson has acted in the right way. Um, I think um, the Welsh region has not acted in the right way because if it was seriously morally interested in the well-being of Britain and the well-being of uh, the Welsh region, they would withdraw their posturing with a different name and calling themselves a government and the like, for which they have little mandate anyway. And they would make sure that they backed our government to the hilt in this issue. However, they're trying to make political capital out of misery. Now, this strikes me as morally utterly repugnant, but um, that's the way they've gone, unfortunately. Well, I look at it. I'm no fan of the way the UK government has handled things. We have seen particularly a number of cock-ups, if you like, from Matt Hancock in the recent weeks and indeed recent months. And I particularly look at the, the bungled uh, test trace isolate system, which didn't work. We saw how uh, huge amounts of money were given to organizations which were linked to conservative party donors and huge amounts of money were wasted. Time was wasted. In terms of the way the UK government has handled it, it has not been great. However, where I do agree with you and I agree with you strongly is that the reality is whether you consider yourself Welsh, British, Welsh and British, Scottish and British, Scottish only, the reality is we are stuck on this small island together until the end of time. Travel between the various regions of this small island is inevitable because it's so small. It's a tiny dot on a world map and therefore a national coordinated response is necessary. And I think that's what's at the heart of this. But if I was to look at what the UK government has done and compare it to other countries, it seems to me, Greg, if I've understood this correctly, that the most successful countries in containing the virus, because you can't get rid of it at this moment in time, that just isn't going to happen. But in terms of containment, test, trace, isolate, where you regularly and rigorously test people, it does what it says on the tin. You test them, they test positive, you find out who they've been in immediate contact with in the days and weeks beforehand. Everyone in that 
bubble, if you like, then has to isolate. And there are severe consequences if you do not isolate. There are fines and in some cases the threat of imprisonment. Um, now, we didn't go down that route, but it does seem as though, Greg, that going back to March and through into the spring, into the summer, we've been in and out of lockdown to various degrees, depending on where you live, but we've all, we've all been in and out of lockdown to a certain extent. All lockdown does is it dampens things down. It, the evidence seems to be, just looking at it, as soon as you ease off a little bit, it flares up again. But I think you're missing the point. That's what it was intended to do, dampen it down. It never was expected to be any cure for it. And I would take issue with you on the, the concept of cock-ups, which you tended to make sound partisan and I don't believe they have been. I think our government has reacted absolutely with integrity within its knowledge base. Now bear in mind that we have discovered this mutation in Britain. We do 42% of all of the testing for genome change in the world. 42% has been done with the British. This is why we have discovered we have it. Many other countries have done no such testing. And that type of testing, so that we can desperately try to keep ahead of the virus, is considerably better than a loose and woolly track and trace system. And I'm sorry, I don't see track and trace as all that wonderful because we are a country that believes in consensus governance. Our police police Britain under consensus. We're not like the French. We don't go round beating our citizens on the head with clubs to make them do what we want to do. As has been happening month after month after month, with Chile Jeune and various other sectors in France, where they use their state enforcement squads to enforce the wishes of a very autocratic government. Well, what Greg they is talking get about away here. With it here. Yeah, what Greg is talking about here is something that is not being widely reported for some reason, and I'll leave you to work out why in the mainstream British media. And that is, particularly before lockdown, for weeks and weeks and months and months, every single weekend in Paris and in other parts of France as well, the Gilets Jeunes protesters were out in force, having brutal, um, and, and they were very sort of anti-Macron protesters in effect, they were having brutal fights with the police, people lost eyes, uh, bones, bones were broken, it was horrendous. And I you're quite right, Greg, when we say we have policing by consent in this country, and this has traditionally meant the sort of Bobby on the beat, our police don't carry arms, um, they're there to uphold and enforce the law, they're not there to be in conflict with us, so to speak. That has been lost as policing has been more and more politicised over the last 50 years or so, but nevertheless, that is the principle of law in this country, is policing by consent. So I can see what you mean in terms of our personal liberties, what it would mean if uh, the test and trace and isolate and having very heavy consequences for those who broke those rules. But in terms of where we are now, in terms of the government, I, I will say this, they had a difficult balance to strike. If they crudely said, 
the phrase Christmas is cancelled, so to speak. Well, you can't cancel Christmas as a religious holiday, and it takes place whether you're allowed to celebrate it openly or not. But if they had said, you are to remain, all of us remain where we are at Christmas and not travel at all, a very large number of people would have just disobeyed that. Um, do you think the government got the balance right? Because you think back to, when was it now? Last, I think it was last Saturday night, in fact it was, when Boris Johnson announced the new restrictions and putting London into tier four. We saw at St Pancras Station, a matter of hours later, it was absolutely heaving with people looking to escape London in that way. And they were in such close proximity that, well, inevitably, that would be a breeding ground for spreading the virus. So did you think he handled things the right way? Do you think he could have done it a bit sooner or phased that in when we realised that this new variant of the virus was prevalent? I personally don't think that he would have been able to achieve it because our people are willing to cooperate but there will always be a minority in this country and that's a sizable minority who are just idiots mm. because one of the drawbacks of any country is if you're going to have a labor force and you're going to have people who are commuting to and fro and traveling you are going to find that you've got a fairly high level of idiots Hmm. who think that they know better. When you say we've done, whether we've done well or badly, let's look at the deaths per million. It's the only figure that has any realistic bearing. Britain's deaths per million puts us at 10th on the world scale of countries. Now, if Wales was actually a nation and featured on international lists as such, Wales would be third on that list. That would also mean that the UK would be somewhere quite considerably lower than 10th or higher than 10th, depending on which way you want to look at it. Mm. Our figures would be less deaths per million. America is on 12 deaths per, sorry, 12th on deaths per million. Hmm. We both feature round about the same. America is 998 deaths per million. Britain, with its higher level of testing, is 1,015 per hmm. million. Hmm. Now, I think that's pretty damn good when you think that America has the advantage of being a huge country with great rural areas separating its conurbations. But you also got to remember, Greg, that America is also a country that now has an outgoing president uh, who has been a, um, a COVID skeptic in many ways. He made a number of foolish statements. Uh, he didn't wear a mask in public himself. He had press conferences in the Rose Garden where the journalists were in close proximity and that in itself led to a, a, a rise in COVID cases, a significant spike in COVID cases among those present. He had COVID himself. Um, this is, they haven't had leadership and responsible leadership in the United States during this period. Um, so it, it's worth bearing that in mind to tell them as well. America has not been well led in all this. However, Greg, in the few minutes we've got left, um, by the time this 
podcast is published, it will be Christmas Eve. A large number of people listening will be listening as they travel home to their families in different parts of the country for the Christmas period. Our demographic, the people who listen to this podcast, are likely to be the more sensible people who take on board advice and listen and take and are, are concerned about their own health and that of their families. In terms of keeping ourselves and our families safe at Christmas, yes, the rule has been relaxed for Christmas Day only. And I think there was an element of compromise there. And if, if it was banned completely, um, then people would have just blindly ignored it. This Christmas Day only rule is a sort of compromise that exists. What advice beyond the obvious can you give people to celebrate Christmas quietly but safely this year? There will be other Christmases in the future for those who act sensibly in the present. I personally would not visit somebody else for Christmas this year. I haven't been, I've been in one, two, yeah, only two people's homes during the lockdown period. One is my next door neighbor who is 84 years old and we keep a very regular eye on her. We actually took her out one day and it was the first time she'd left her home for two years. So she's not in contact with a lot of people. And the other home is um, my wife's aunt and uncle who live a pretty isolated life from choice because both of them are in the age group that it would be very problematic for them um, and a high risk. So they mix with almost nobody and we will spend Christmas. They are coming to us for Christmas hmm. only for maybe four hours during Christmas day, but we see them on a regular basis because they kindly do shopping for us sometimes and we do it for them sometimes. Hmm. Because what I would say to people, I think you've got the balance right there and that yes, there's a balance to be struck between public health and the misery that loneliness and isolation can cause, particularly at this time of year. However, what I would say to people looking at wider society, there's a large number of parents um, who have separated from their former husband or wife and custody of the children is shared between households. And inevitably, you will come into contact with people who've been in contact with other people over the course of Christmas Day and Boxing Day and so forth. So in terms of maintaining a bubble, it's not going to be easy. But we have to emphasize that, look, much as we might, we're all making sacrifices this Christmas. Yeah, carol services have been cancelled. Meeting up with friends in the pubs have been cancelled. Midnight mass for a lot of people has been cancelled. Shopping trips, trips to see Father Christmas. All that sort of thing has been cancelled. One way or another, we as individuals and as families have all made sacrifices. It's worth having Christmas a lot quieter this year with a small number of people to prevent misery following throughout January and potentially well beyond. It is worth making these sacrifices. Because what I would say, Greg, and I'll have your final word on this now, please, is that in a month's time, Christmas will seem like a distant memory, like it always does by the middle of January. It's not worth having a hectic house full of people at Christmas and everything that goes with it, and then paying a huge price for it in January. Your final thoughts, please. Stop and think for a moment about this concept of bubbles. If you are visiting another family, be that within your own family grouping, parents or 
um, bro brother, brother-in-law, whatever. If you are meeting up with one additional child during that period, you have just increased the size of your body by approximately 300. Is it worth going and taking that risk when you've done everything you can to see as few people as possible during the rest of the year when you have many Christmases left in the future as long as you don't expose yourself or the people who matter to you to the possibility of death this Christmas. Well, that's a somber note to end on, but I think it's an appropriate note to end on. Greg and I would like to wish each and every one of you a Merry Christmas. Do please stay safe and, like I say, take the advice on board, be sensible, and then we hopefully we can have happier, healthier times ahead in 2021. Have a wonderful but quiet Christmas, and we'll see you next time.